So today on American Conversations, we have our friend Dwayne Armstrong, who's back with us. And Dwayne, welcome again. Thanks for being here. So you you just recently finished Bobby Kennedy's book. And I've read a lot of it so far, yes. Yeah. And so what are you gleaning from that book? Are you even more um, concerned having read that book, knowing that you've been in the in the pharmaceutical business, you know, for 34 years, even though you've retired for the last 20? Are, are you more concerned than ever? Yeah. You know, it's uh, very interesting, uh, Christine. Um, I would not have thought I have very much in common politically with uh, with him. Um, but on this issue, we are totally in sync. Uh, I'm absolutely 100% uh, with him on this. And yes, I think he, his documentation, his research and documentation are just amazing. What he's uncovered, what he's presenting is extremely vital. Yes. So do you recommend that people should read Bobby's book? Oh, absolutely. I've recommended it to so many people. I've, I've sent out emails, I've talked with people. Yes, absolutely. It's, it's a must. What, what about people in the pharmaceutical industry? Do you think they should especially read Bobby's book? Uh, absolutely should. Uh, everyone should. It, across every uh, industry, across every discipline, people should read that book. And why, and why is it that, I mean, you're becoming more and more concerned about these, these COVID shots. Tell, tell, tell us why, and, and what do you say to people on the inside of pharma, you know, who are afraid to speak out at this point in time? I'm saying I think it's, it's extremely important that people, anyone in industry, anyone in any discipline, government, industry, education, whatever, they have information, if they have knowledge that should be shared on this subject, they should come forward and do it because it is that important. He has, Robert Kennedy, Robert Kennedy has, has opened, has opened the, the light, shining in the dark. And everybody who can needs to join him in that, in that battle because I'll tell you, it is warfare. I, I'm convinced more and more and more every day almost that we are in a spiritual warfare because it is it is evil, it is satanic. And that might sound conspiratorial to some people, but it's real. It is absolutely real because I, not only what he has shared, but I went to a uh, symposium by Dr. Uh, McCullough two days ago here, here in Atlanta. And what he, what he shared dovetails totally with what Kennedy has in his book. And it is, he's, and he even identified it as satanic and demonic. So, you know, anybody with information should definitely come forward. What did McCullough have to offer for that conclusion? He, re- he reviewed, going back to the very beginning of the pandemic, and what he saw, he believes, was a concerted, intentional suppression of information, suppression of treatment, of early treatment an absolute plan that we're seeing unfolding from, from the beginning to we here we are now. He, talk, he talked about the, uh, the, uh, the there were four, four issues uh, at, at play. I, actually, I wrote them down because they were uh, there. Actually five, he said um, suppression of information, suppression of effective treatment, uh, promulgated fear, 
suffering, isolation, hospitalization, and death. And it's, a pretty, it's a pretty ugly picture. It's a very ugly picture because um, in addition to that, uh, you mentioned that the uh, that the uh, pillars of this whole thing uh, revolved around um, getting people isolated. Uh, and we saw that prolonged isolation. Right. So the other phase was withdrawal of things that people enjoy, church, school, shopping, restaurants, etc. And uh, working all the way down to fear, constant anxiety. And we saw that every day with the increasing numbers, increasing deaths, you better wear a mask, you better stay away from people, this constant fear and anxiety. And then the fourth stage, the Savior. And that is a single uh, purposed way out of it, meaning the vaccination. So all of it. Just dovetails totally with So you know, it, it's a, it's a grim picture. This is uh, you know, it's it's Christmas Eve. I mean, um, so I what what I want to do is is I want to think of a way for the people that are inside the pharmaceutical industry to come forward. We've been talking to people uh, inside Pfizer, Moderna, J&J since end of January, beginning of February of this year, who know that things are not looking good on the inside. And we're trying to encourage them to come forward um, and to step out and, you know, with the documentation that they have, because there's the CEO statements versus what's going on internally. We're also talking to and doing some interviews with people who work in other pharmaceutical um, companies uh, whose, whose leadership is now coming to light that they, in fact, are involved with the mRNA vaccines, although they're not producing the COVID vaccines right now. And they're becoming very disillusioned with the leadership in, in some of some of these pharmaceutical companies. And they're wondering about, you know, what kind of industry have I given my professional time to? Uh, and they're concerned about their livelihood. We have uh, pharmaceutical companies here in the United States who are making mandatory uh, vaccinations, but then when they're in uh, places like uh, Florida or Texas, because of the governor's positions against making mandatory, making vaccine shots mandatory. Uh, they have given exemptions to their employees. Dwayne, you were, you were in leadership, you were a marketing exec, uh, you had a team. Give them some, you know, fatherly advice now about, uh, from a moral point of view, about how they should navigate this. The, the moral uh, the moral picture of this is such that it is immoral. Put this way: it would be immoral to know information and not be willing to share it in a way that produces a positive outcome for what we're talking about. 
there is there has to be information that is readily available to some people that if known would help to resolve the dilemma that we're in i think in a situation and i'll speak to i'll speak to the company that i work for johnson and johnson mm -hmm. i had nothing but very fine a very fine career very positive things to say and we've talked before about the credo you, you know mm -hmm. But expl explain again to the audience, Swain, with the J&J Creative. They have a list of responsibilities, and the number one responsibility is to the, the people who use their products. The safety of the people who use their products. And so <laughs> driven a lot of decisions in their history about that number one priority. They've got to feel conflicted. I've got to believe they're conflicted because on one hand, they've got the credo and on the other hand, they see what's happening with the, the uh, vaccinations. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I've seen in the literature, what I've seen is they may have fewer overall events, adverse events than Moderna and Pfizer, but still uh, they were recently you know, put in their package insert about the, the pericarditis issue. So that is an issue. So that, that has to be conflicting them in terms of their credo and what they see happening in their in their real world. So that's a decision they've they've got to they've got to be making. But on the other hand, getting back to what you were asking, yes, I think people and it's tough. I I can understand where, where people have a tough decision to make. But if you look at the overall grand picture, I don't see how people can not come forward if they have information that would resolve and correct a lot of the negative issues with treatments and outcomes that we're seeing in the, in the real world. And in the days when you were at the pharmaceutical uh, table, would you have conversations internally and say, you know, I, I think we would we really need to take a, a you know reset on, on on this particular drug and and how does it work from the inside? How do you start those conversations? Because if if the team thinks that no, this is an okay drug, somebody has to start the conversation to say no, we're finding some adverse effects. How how does that work on the inside? When I was there, the experience I had was we uh, we policed ourselves. And, and that's uh, something I want people to really know is that in the pharmaceutical industry, there there has been a lot of self-policing in our company because, again, of the credo. We, we lived our lives every day, and that drove our decision, drove our actions. So if we saw an issue cropping up with one of our products, let's say we're dealing in a clinical study situation, if something were to, to show up, that was unexpected or presented a problem, we would not proceed with the study until that was resolved. And if, if there was no way to resolve it, if it was an issue that demanded termination of the, of the study for whatever reason, we would do that. We would not proceed. And we, and we definitely would not publish any data coming out of that study, even if it was positive, we wouldn't have done that because that would be a violation, if you will. So that that's the way we would have handled it inside. And I 
I never saw an instance where uh, anybody with any information that was negative uh, would 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 not bring that forward. So that that is my experience. Do you think? Do you think that because things seem to have changed? Do you think that it's it's because of the leadership at the top or the board itself? The you board know, directors. I, I can only. I can only relate or refer to what I've read about Pfizer, mm -hmm. uh, and that is they, uh, they're in their history, and, I, and I, I'm, I'm only going to say this from a standpoint of what I've read, and that is issues w with them in the past mm -hmm. of being fined for, um, for, for presenting products, uh, marketing products. With um, with statements that were incorrect, with uh, with the uh, promotion of products or uh, off package insert, if you will, those kinds of issues, so if that's still emanating from their leadership, then that would be a problem. So, how how do you think that we get out of this moral crisis? What is it going to take to turn the tide? Well, in in a well, that's that's a multi-layered um, question because you've got you've got industry, you've got you've got media, you've got government. Uh, you're, there's so many decisions that would have to be made at those various levels to bring this thing to an end. But I think the number one way to resolve it is when people have said enough is enough and they start pushing back to the extent that it has to stop you know the uh, the the pharmaceutical industry the media industry is only they're only tools of the government because the government is what's the government is the institution that's driving this it's not it's not the pharmaceutical industry they're just they're just being used to facilitate the the program so it's really the government that's driving us and the regulating industry uh, agencies such as the as the uh, CDC, NIH. They're the ones who are really really driving things. So there would have to be a, a house cleaning there, I would think. But what can we do individually? The only thing that, that we can do individually is is uh, Express our concerns, but on an individual level, push back, fight back, and say enough is enough. I will, I will not comply with with uh, with this any longer. Uh, that's at a, at a at a ground roots level. That's all that I see is possible. Well, Dwayne, thank you very much uh, for for joining us on Christmas Eve, and um, blessings to you and your family, and hopefully. You know, next year will be good for all of us. And uh, come come back anytime with your with your thoughts, is because uh, as you said to me, you're in the fight now. You're in the fight to wake people up. You're in the fight. Okay. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you too. Bye bye.